Hennepin teacher and speaking anonymously for fear of retaliation, but feel parents need to know what is going on inside the schools. This is Jenny. She teaches in the Anoka Hennepin School District. She explained in this Facebook post how administrators and teachers intentionally deceive parents every day. Her post went viral. Parents have trusted public education for decades. They send their kids to school every day, believing the system has their kids' best interests at heart. But it's not the same. My kids will not use the bathroom at school. So they just flat out told their, uh, their youngest sibling, do not use the bathroom at school. Some kids don't even go to class. They have sexual intercourse in the bathrooms, in the lockable bathrooms. The sound kind of echoes off of the walls you can hear it throughout the area. The system has the same name, but it's under new management with a new agenda. Most parents do not know this. And I think if they did know this, they'd be, uh, they'd be upset about it. Public education in Minnesota is broken. Transforming culture seems to take priority over teaching numeracy and literacy skills. Kids are no longer getting an education that will prepare them to be successful, functioning adults. Most parents don't know, but some are figuring it out. Jenny was joined by dozens of angry Anoka Hennepin parents who also took to social media. They complained of low test scores, pornographic books in school libraries, violence, and low expectations. Some parents are even reporting that teachers are extending offers to have private conversations with kids while promising to keep those conversations secret from parents. They're finding the courage to speak out, even if it is under the shroud of secrecy. A growing number of teachers are graduating to whistleblower status. They're contacting journalists who are willing to tell their stories. People are afraid to speak out. They're afraid of losing their jobs. They're afraid of losing friends. They're afraid of being bullied. There is no room for free thought and forget about free speech. In season one of Trapped, I told you how schools are willing to sacrifice student safety in the name of social justice and how ideology has become religion. In this episode, we're going to focus on the largest school district in the state, Anoka Hennepin. I'm going to tell you how educators are edging almost 38,000 kids towards cultural change. This goal has become more important than teaching kids to read and write. I'm Sheila Qualls. I write for a Minnesota-based news outlet called Alpha News. I've written a series of articles on ideologies, policies, and practices that allow violence, misconduct, and low performance to go unchecked. For the past year, we've been examining public education in Minnesota. I've interviewed teachers, parents, and students. I've talked to people who study education in Minnesota. I've looked at curriculum and school websites. I've contacted the Department of Education, the Minnesota School Board Association, the Teachers Union, and administrators. I'm going to paint a picture of what is happening in our schools and why. Not in my words, but in the words of teachers, parents, and students who are in or around public schools every day. Thousands of Minnesota families are trapped, 
held hostage by a broken system that is being shaped by misguided and irresponsible policies and practices that are at odds with traditional values. The threat of losing our children is real. Most teachers and parents spoke with us on the promise of anonymity. Small details have been changed to protect students' identities. They fear retaliation. Dissent is not tolerated. Disagreement is voiced only in whispers. Throughout this series, I'm going to show you everything from why kids can't read to why they have to worry about getting stabbed at school. This is season two of Trapped, Chaos in the Classroom. I'm Marie. I have kids in the Anoka Hennepin School District. Marie is a graduate of Anoka Hennepin Schools. It was an awesome school district before. I loved my elementary education. I feel like I learned so much. I don't know if it's going to be that great anymore. And I can't even, I don't even know that it's going to be that safe anymore, quite honestly. Especially now that kind of, I don't know a better word, but the hammer's been dropped as far as addressing safety issues and fights and things like that. I don't know. It's looking pretty bleak. It used to be fantastic. Loved it so much. I can, I, like, I literally, I walk into their school and I smells the same and I, like, think of, um, the principal walking down the hallway and all the kids were so happy and it's, it's not the same as it used to be. It's sad. Something is rotten in the Anoka Hennepin School District. Here's what I mean. Proficiency scores in math and reading are the lowest they've been in 30 years. Standardized test scores indicate kids are learning less and less. Only about half of the district's kids are proficient in math and only about half of them read at grade level but the graduation rate soars at 86%. How can standardized test scores go down while graduation rates go up? I bet you if you polled people in the community, there would be a lot of people that would not have any idea that um, proficiency scores are where they are and that some of the issues we've had with behavior are where they are. This is Matt Audette. He sits on the Anoka Hennepin School Board. Our school district, frankly, all, all of the school districts I've been able to tell, you know, we're all struggling with this like 50%, uh, you know, proficiency levels in math and reading and science. Some parents believe so deeply that their kids are being educated that they ignore evidence that suggests the opposite. Many parents think and assume that the way that behavior and discipline happens in, in their schools today is, is similar to how it happened when they were kids. You know, I'm almost 50 years old. I didn't come from a generation where kids were, um, were you know, where corporal punishment was used. I never got spanked when I was in school. I think my parents came from a generation where that absolutely happened. So what I'm trying to say is when I say that parents perceive how it works in school to be the way it worked when they were there, I'm not talking about the way it worked when my parents were there. I'm talking about the way it worked when I was there. The rules and consequences were clear. If you stole, you were going to be in trouble at school. If you started a fight, you were going to be in trouble at school. Mom, dad were going to get called. You were going to either get suspended or, in the worst case, you were going to get expelled. Fights would get broken up and stopped, and, you know, you wouldn't see those people there the next day. And everybody would know that they either got suspended or, you know, if you never saw them again, they got expelled. So that's what we all think is happening. And in reality, it's a lot going on with discipline and behavior in schools today. And the environment is different and more complicated for many reasons. Here's one reason for the complications. In 2014, 
data showed black and brown kids were three times more likely to be suspended or expelled compared to their white counterparts. Without considering any other factors like fatherless homes or economic status, the U.S. Department of Education concluded discrimination, not student behavior, was the reason for the disparities. They assumed white educators must be inherently biased. There is a segment of school administrators who believes that systemic racism has played a part in the way children are disciplined in our schools, and they believe that it's their job to counter that. Uh, you don't have to look any farther than our own Department of Education and legislations that's been passed. A chunk of our society believes this, and uh, they legislate or they create rules related to it. Um, that doesn't mean they're right, but it does mean they believe it. So, you know, the point is a lot of those different things have factored into the way discipline is managed in schools. I would tell people it definitely does not look the way you think it looks and the way you looked when you were in school. I can make the case that the way that it's being handled is not being successful based upon the levels of violence we're experiencing, based upon comments that we hear either generally or specifically, and we all hear them from teachers, right? We're all hearing about how teachers are tired, they're, they're worn out, they're concerned. We've got stories that are being told about what's happening and, you know, people, we're having trouble getting people into the profession or keeping them into the profession. These are all symptoms of what I'm talking about. And so I think it's a clear problem. And I think most people don't know about it. Districts recommended racial equity training for white teachers. Brittany worked in the district. She remembers the training. They caught it culturally responsive training. So I thought, what is this? I felt like I was in a KKK rally. It was the most horrible feeling I have ever experienced. I was told that I am racist. We were told if you see, if you are colorblind to a person's skin color, you are racist. We had to identify all of our white privileges. Just shocking. They also adopted race-based discipline practices. This means white kids and black kids are no longer held to the same standards of behavior. This is Max Eden. He is a research fellow at the American Enterprise Institute in Washington, D.C. We spoke by phone. He provided insight into how race-based discipline policies affect kids in the Anoka Hennepin School District. Schools are systematically willing to systematically sacrifice student safety in the name of racial statistics, right? They would sooner decrease suspensions across the board, decrease suspensions for one particular ethnic group than do what it takes to keep kids safe to the extent that that actually creates more chaotic and terrible classroom environments that doesn't actually bother the people who are responsible for the schools just so long as on paper it looks like they are running towards or achieving greater social justice. I'm Ann. I teach in the Anoka Hennepin School District. Anne is a veteran teacher. I do think that parents are not taking the time to really pay attention to what the climate and the culture are inside the building. I don't think they're taking the time to even really realize what curriculum is being taught. Anne has been in the classroom for almost 15 years. Learning has gone from objective to subjective. Academic content is being replaced by ideology. Our main rollout has been our new SEL curriculum that we have had the last two years. 
SEL is social emotional learning. It's the delivery mechanism for highly politicized ideologies. Kids are no longer developing critical thinking skills. They're learning to focus on feelings and changing social outcomes. I do think that some teachers take it as an opportunity to potentially insert their own beliefs and ideologies into the curriculum. Anoka Hennepin schools were once centers of excellence. Teachers in general have seen um, the profession that we love become one that is not respected, not really even enjoyable anymore, to be honest. It's difficult, it's disheartening, it is frustrating. Basically all teachers who go to education school, certainly all teachers in Minnesota, uh, are trained to be quote-unquote culturally responsive in their pedagogy, which sounds like a very nice thing. It sounds like, you know, just trying to be multicultural and be aware of other cultures and try to use them to kind of leverage what you're teaching. Culturally responsive teaching is much more than being culturally responsive. But the reality is the whole idea of culturally responsive education comes from a woman who introduced critical race theory to education. And critical race theory, as hopefully parents understand, is kind of a, a racialized update of cultural Marxist theory. And so you have kind of schools of education overwhelmingly teaching a theory of pedagogy and practice that is influenced by the woman who introduced critical race theory to the schools, to higher education, to K-12 education. This created a system where schools are willing to put ideology over traditional education. What parents believe that they are getting in terms of reading, writing, arithmetic, kind of basic American values, not partisan values, but the, the values that, you know, your standard Democrat and Republican shares, that those are being increasingly subserviated to an ideology that basically every single teacher who goes in the classroom is steeped in before they get to class. Anne said the state's mandated reading curriculum is ripe for advancing radical ideologies. The state is shifting towards having three mandated state curriculums and districts, if they want to receive a large amount of money from the state of Minnesota, you will have to adopt one of these three reading curriculums. And so something that is typically made at more of a local level is now going to be made at a state level. The concern is more, if this is made at the state level, is this a time when the state is going to be taking this opportunity to weave in more of the gender ideology, more of the cultural pieces that we're not typically teaching students. Social-emotional learning really is that gateway to uh, introduce students to things that they're Homes don't agree with. Jenny said it starts out harmless. These indoctrinations are how you should feel about certain uh, topics. But then the problem is, like I said, the envelope gets pushed to these very controversial subjects that a lot of families have very strict uh, ideas about. They have values of right and wrong. Social emotional learning either plays on the fringes of the outside of those topics or will really push into them. They don't just stay innocent. They don't just stay useful. 
It's pushing their values. It's making them have discourse about things that their families have already set boundaries around. She said it's a hidden agenda. Because it doesn't always come out in curriculum. It more comes out in conversation or in culturally responsive teaching. It's bringing up things that aren't authentically coming in the classroom. They're being teacher-driven and teacher-introduced because I think that those values should be taught about at home. But they're not. They're being pushed by teachers very intentionally. Pushing social agendas creates behavior problems. Kids learn pretty quickly what they can get away with, and so they push the envelope. We are made to accept things that we never have before, things that would have been looked at as uh, misbehavior by white or, or black students or any color student. Disruptions, uh, constant tardiness, lack of homework, um, just lower expectations. And that's, that's unacceptable. Teachers who don't conform are bullied. There have been threats of dismissal, of being pulled in front of the board, of um, minimally having multiple, uh, multiple meetings with human resources, downright harassment. The principal has called me and at least another person in to his office with the head of human resources to discuss things that were religious or political on our Facebook and putting it in front of us and having to explain every single thing that he did not agree with or that he believed did not support the school's philosophy or the district's philosophy. Those have been what I consider harassing events and bullying events. I'd say that Blaine and Coon Rapids and possibly Anoka are some of the worst schools off. John is a student at Blaine High School. Blaine is in the Anoka Hennepin School District. Here's how he described a typical day. You walk in in the morning, all the kids walk in around the same time at 7.40, and they don't really do any checks of IDs or anything. Actually, they don't at all, and they all walk in. Sometimes there'll be a pep rally in the morning, and all the teachers will go to the gym room. Some students stay out. That's normally when the fights happen, when there's no teachers nearby. They crowd in the hallways behind the lockers, and they hit bongs and hit the uh, THC pens and whatnot. And nicotine is really bad one there. Some kids don't even go to class. And then most of the day you'll see kids standing by the exit doors trying to let their friends in or kids from other school. Sometimes there'll be a fight at the end of school that breaks out. Then he told me what happens in the bathrooms. They have fights in there and they lock the bathroom doors so none of the teachers can get in without having to go get a security guard for the door lock and they have sexual intercourse in the bathrooms in the lockable bathrooms sound kind of echoes off of the walls you can hear it throughout the area smoke in there they skip class in there you'll even find kids from other schools like slp and coon rapids high school or andover in there sometimes 
It's an unsafe environment. Kind of assumed it was going to be a little bit like middle school, just a lot older people to being able to drive to school. I didn't really assume that there would be that many fights and that many kids doing drugs. He believes if parents knew what was happening, they wouldn't send their kids to Blaney. I would recommend driving the extra 10 minutes to go to a school farther away, like such as Andover or maybe even Anoka. John transferred out of the district. I wanted to give the district an opportunity to comment, so I reached out to Jim Skelly. He's the executive director for communications and public relations for the Anoka Hennepin School District. This is Jim Skelly, director of communication and public relations for Anoka Hennepin Schools. Please leave me a message and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Thank you. Hey Jim, this is Sheila Qualls. Hope you're well. I think you may have misunderstood my question, so I'm trying to uh, connect with you to give you an opportunity to comment. I wanted to ask him about the atmosphere John described at Blaine High School and about the district's discipline policies. Skelly emailed me and declined to comment on either of these issues. Listen to the remainder of Jenny's Facebook post. There are good parents intentionally being kept in the dark while schools affirm their child's gender transition. At my school, teachers and administrators call a young student by a different name and pronouns at school and don't inform the parents. The parents should be involved, and I don't feel comfortable going behind their back. There is a huge amount of pressure, though, to go along with the child's gender confusion, and most teachers do. Unfortunately, my experience is not an isolated incident in the Anoka Hennepin District. As a parent myself, I know this is wrong, and this secret needs to be told. Jenny said allowing kids to socially transition without parents' knowledge is prevalent throughout the district. I had a student who wanted to be identified as a boy, but she was a girl. I want to be referred as this, and I want my pronouns to be him and he, but you can't tell my mom. My mom doesn't agree. So mom did know that this was her desire, and she said no, no. And, and the teachers and the administrator knew that the mother was not interested in having her daughter be called a boy's name or identify as a boy. And they did it anyway. And they hid it. They hid it from the parents. But Jenny refused to go along. It was getting to the point where um, students in class would start to bully me to call this student her preferred pronoun, which was him. And I would say to the students, if we make a deal about this, if this is a discussion that we have to have, if you make this difficult for me, I am going to start including her mother on this conversation. And the girl would quiet the class and basically calm the waters because she knew that her mother did not know or did not agree. And I knew that if I said something to the mother and she came against the school, there would be this possibility that the state would intervene, that the school would intervene, and and this child might be placed someplace else. So this is the place we're putting teachers in currently. Jenny said it was uncomfortable, but she felt she had to stand her ground. We have to get permission, because if we have to get permission for Tylenol, we need to be getting permission to be using uh, 
students' preferred pronouns. That's not consistent with what uh, district policy is uh, regarding that, you know, the use of pronouns. Although Skelly declined to comment on the district's discipline policies or on the atmosphere at Blaine High School, he agreed to speak with me by phone about Jenny's Facebook post. He didn't deny Jenny's allegations, but he did say what she described is not consistent with district policy. We're pretty open about sharing information on how that is supposed to happen at school um, as far as communication with parents and with students regarding those issues. So um, the allegations or the information that's included in, that, in those social media posts aren't consistent with what should be happening in school. That's not how the district wants to be. And in this situation, it's although it's seen as an anonymous source and we're unable to verify that information, um, we still have to take it uh, seriously and be able to respond to it as if it did, and that's not the, the way that uh, it's supposed to happen in the school environment. Well, what is the policy and what people do are frequently two different things. I've heard people say the policy may be one thing, but the practice may be something different. Absolutely. Yes, and that definitely is true. And I didn't even really speak about the policy. I'm just talking about the practice. Yeah, and the practice is? The practice is, it's for teachers to not include parents in these discussions. We've always just trusted that adults would do right by children. I read this story. I know it's not fabricated. It happened to me. But I read it, and it sounds so absolutely insane. Like, oh my gosh, this really did happen. Adults taking it upon themselves to help your child change their gender without your knowledge. That's, that's crazy. It's just crazy to me. It sounds... It sounds so fictional because teachers never did do these things when we were younger. That That's unheard of. And now we have teachers who are posting uh, things on TikTok saying they're proud of causing gender confusion in students. It just shows kind of the decline of society too. I asked Jenny about the overwhelming response to her post. I'm happy to know that parents are irate with it. I hope that it doesn't make people angry. It it causes them to take action. That's what I'm hoping. But I didn't write it because of that. I wrote it because I needed to tell the truth. And this truth needs to come out. She said grown-ups shouldn't be caving to the demands of kids, especially when those demands go against the stated wishes of their parents. And and even though this student hated me, hated me, she would tell me that, I hate you. By the end of that school year, she was coming to me and hugging me and because she knew she needed an adult to tell her the truth in her life. They were listening to her as a gender-confused child who needed clear boundaries she said this same kid has already switched identities again. 
she's using another alternate identity, not the same one that she used last year. A different name, but now, now the same sex as she is. So, to say that, that there's confusion and mental health issues with this student is an understatement. The practice of allowing kids to change names and pronouns is a nightmare for teachers. I've heard from other teachers, names will show up in their in their uh, work to be corrected or whatever, and they're wondering, oh, who is this person? And they'll say, okay, well, who is this? And they'll say that name, and another student will say, oh, that's mine. This is my new name. I'm referring to myself as this now. And teachers have talked about that, not knowing who is in their class anymore. Why are we giving kids the option to choose their pronouns? Our policies allow students to be called by the pronoun of their choice. These aren't necessarily Anoka Hennepin uh, guidelines that are being followed here. District staff are doing what they're uh, being asked to do. It's also a matter of like following guidance and uh, from the state and from the district as far as how they're um, expected to act. She said the practice of keeping secrets is unethical. It's a form of child abuse, for sure. I think it's disgusting when you don't involve the involve the parents in, in any situation that has to deal with their child as a parent. Disgusting in that the administrator and the the administrators and teachers knew that her mother didn't didn't want this at all, and they went behind her back and hid it. And I just don't didn't think that people thought that teachers and administrators were capable of this, or doing this, or willing to do this, and they're all the above. Other teachers in the district corroborated Jenny's story, and said gender dysphoria has become sort of a social contagion. According to the Minnesota Department of Education Health Student Survey. 11th grade girls identifying as heterosexual dropped from 93% in 2013 to 57% in 2022. Here's Max Eden again. He said no one will be able to convince parents that something is wrong in their kid's school. Only they can convince themselves of that. And they can only convince themselves of that by, you know, finding answers to what seem to be plain and reasonable questions. You know, there's too much psychological buy-in to, I bought this house, I've been saying I'm a kid this way, I'm a good parent. You know, it's, it's, it's such a profound hurdle for somebody to think, maybe I'm making a mistake in what I'm doing with my kid fundamentally. They have to reach it themselves. They need to think about themselves as the kid's fundamental and primary educator and realize that when they're not paying attention, bad things can happen. <laughs> and if they don't know that their kid is learning, if they don't know what their kid is learning, then their kid might not be learning or might be learning something that they don't want them to learn. Kids can't read. They can't spell. They lack knowledge of the basic rules of grammar, punctuation, and math. They spend class time choosing pronouns independent of gender and denying facts in favor of feelings. This is Matt Audette again. We've taken surveys in our school district that, that suggested that actually um, a pretty high percentage of people think that things are going really well. Um, and I, one thing that I noted in the, in the course of that survey, a question was asked, what is your main source of news about district uh, performance and activity? And it was, it was the school district itself. And so I feel like 
if that's true, and I, why wouldn't it be? That's what that's what the survey told us, that most people are getting their news and information about the school district from the school district, and most people have this very positive view of it. But the reality of when you look at performance in academics, it's it's not well. I just think that that's a pretty important fact, um, and it's one that's worth uh, introspection, worth diving into, worth asking difficult questions of ourselves. I think there is an agenda by a certain political party. Education is filled with many people who subscribe to that ideology. Even the most liberal teachers. Had you addressed some of these things five years ago with them, they would have thought this was insanity. But it's the slow boiling. It's the introduction in culture. It's the breakdown of families. It's um, fatherless homes. It's children, children telling parents what they will and won't do, and the legislature um, also providing students more rights than parents. Those rights that parents used to have, all of these things are happening simultaneously for a reason. Two, to lessen the grip that parents have on their children and transfer that over to schools and states and the students themselves, which is ridiculous. They're minors. They can't even have aspirin without parents' knowledge and agreement. Yet, they can make decisions that will affect their entire life, their sexuality, society, the ability to have or not have children when they're in sixth grade. The mission of schools is to educate kids, but only 52% of kids in the Anoka Hennepin School District are proficient in math and reading. Is this school system trying to convince parents that 52% is now a passing grade? This is Sheila Qualls. You are listening to season two of Trapped Chaos in the Classroom. If you know of chaos in a classroom, email me at Sheila at alphanews.org or contact the Alpha News tip line at alphanews.org. Trapped is a podcast from Alpha News. It's reported by me and produced by Kendall Johnson of Underdog Films. Fact-checking by Anthony Gokowski. Our theme music is by Kendall Johnson. We have two more episodes coming. You'll be able to find them on our website. Subscribe at mntrapped.com. This podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts.